do his good pleasure. I want to really, really kind of revisit and, and uh, I can't get away from it. This, this thing where God has me. Three things you got to know tonight that you belong. When you, when you understand that Jesus made the way and, and we, we belong to him. Then the next thing we got to know, we got to, what you gaze at, you're attracted to. Whatever you gaze at, whatever you look at, it's important. We can become that. So we got to behold him. We got to looking unto Jesus. So when you, when you behold him, then you become everything God said that, that he planned for you to be. And uh, one of the things about the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect love, loves perfect love, that loves perfect love. And they are one without the loss of self. And uh, my wife and I are one, 47 years without the loss of self. We have a personality. And uh, God created us all different. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. So Mark chapter 6 begins, Jesus commissions his disciples to go out and cast out demons and heal the sick and preach the gospel. Well, they're, they're going out to do that. And while they're doing that, John the Baptist is in, in prison because Herod uh, had married his brother's wife, Herodias. And so they put, Herod was, he, he really kind of feared and respected John. So he puts him in the, in the prison and he guards, he, he keeps a watch over him. But there came a day when Herodias uh, Herod had a birthday, so she came up with a plot because he, he rebuked him. He, he told him it was not right for you to have your brother's wife. And uh, so you understand the, the law of God is not to restrict us. It's to protect us. So it's important to understand that. So Herodias has this plot, and her, her daughter, Herod's stepdaughter, dances on his birthday and so he's so mesmerized by her dancing that he said whatever you want up to the half of my kingdom I'll even share my kingdom and and she ran to her mother and said what should I ask Herod the king for and she said ask for John the Baptist's head now so uh, we know that John was beheaded in that moment so about that time the disciples returned to Jesus to report to him about their ministry and what they'd done because uh, Jesus had commissioned them to go out and, and preach the good news. And uh, we find here the, the story unfolding as, as they're doing this. Jesus said, we need to find a secluded, secluded place so we can rest a while. But what happened is that people saw him down by the shore of Galilee. And uh, so everybody started, that's the healer. So they all run uh, and, and tell all their friends and, and say, go get all the sick uh, later on. But, but they come and Jesus teaches them. He teaches them in that, in that moment. And then toward the evening, he knows that they're hungry. They're like a sheep without a shepherd, but he looks with compassion. And he tells his disciples, he said, Let's, he, he said Get them, give them something to eat. Now there's 5,000 families. 5,000, 
Now, if all these men were married, that would make 10,000 plus the children. So it was more than 5,000. But Jesus, the disciples said, we, we don't have enough to buy enough food to feed all these. And Jesus said, what do you have? And he said, we have five loaves and two fish. He don't need much because he prays and blesses it. And he hands it to his disciples. I want you to see something. Now, Jesus didn't, he didn't, it didn't multiply in his hands. It multiplied in the disciples' hands. As they broke it, it multiplied in their hands. Let me tell you, the Lord will put something in your hand that he's blessed. And you can't get away from it. He'll, he'll cause it to multiply. He's in the multiplicity. He's not in the subtraction. He's in the multiplying. And uh, he is so faithful. God is so faithful. So what happens is after uh, they've, Jesus has ministered to all these thousands of people, he tells the disciples, he said, okay, I want you to get in the boat and go over to the Bethsaida. Bethsaida means the fishing place. So while they're in the boat headed across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus slips away into the mountain to pray. Now, I want you to think about this. Prayer. This, the word for prayer is prosukamai. The prefix is pros. John chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form. That's Genesis. But John writes, in the beginning was the word. The word's Jesus. And the word was with God. That word with is a weak translation. It's the word pros. It means, and the word was face to face with the Father. There's an, a, a relationship. And the word was face to face with the Father. Now, uh, when you, Jesus goes to pray, that word prosukamai means to be face to face in worship and petition. Let me tell you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I could stand here, we could testify all night about answered prayer, how God is faithful to prayer. And, and so prayer, prosukamai, there's something else that you'll find uh, when Peter preaches in Acts 3, 19, he says, repent ye therefore. Repent, metanoia, it means to change the way you think. What you think about God, your perspective about the Father will matter in your journey. And I, my prayer is always, Lord, keep my spirit right. Don't let me be deceived and let me know you like you want me to know you. I want to know you. As a matter of fact, John chapter 17, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he says, Father, he said, this is eternal life that they know you. And they know me. So what's the father like? Philip said. Jesus said, I've been with you this long, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus is the exact image of the father. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So we find that Jesus has slipped away into the mountain to pray. And while the disciples are rowing, Night falls. 
we know night falls because I'm gonna, we're going to read it. They're rowing and the wind starts to be against them. Look at verse 45 of Mark chapter 6. This is the passion. After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go on ahead of him and go to the other side to Bethsaida. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, then slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. Now, by this time, Jesus had come back down the mountain and the, he says the, the boat the disciples are in are in the middle of the sea, the lake. It's called Lake Genesaret. The Sea of Galilee, it is seven miles wide and 13 miles long. If they're in the middle of the lake, they're at least three miles from shore. I don't know about you, but I can't make out a lot of stuff three miles from shore. But the Bible says the wind was against the disciples and he could see that they were straining at the oars trying to make headway. I need to just stop right here for a moment. I need you to know that he's been there all along. He sees your struggle. This is, I think this is really kind of a supernatural thing because it's night and the Bible said he could see them. He could see. I was in prayer for a long time, not too many years ago, and the Lord gave me some things to write down that I think significant. He said, I want you to know that I can be trusted in faith's greatest test. He said, I'll accompany you through the most fearful times. He said, I'll even give you a light in your darkest hour. He said, I'll wait for you through your challenge and change. Do you, do you understand that we all go through the challenges and we all must go through the process of change. It's important what we look at because when you, when you understand that he's the light of the world and you, you're focused on him, he is, Psalm 4610, he is kept in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's pretty powerful stuff. So what happens, he, they're in the middle of the lake and Jesus sees them. I, I need you to know that he sees you in your struggle. He's not oblivious. That's why the Bible says we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. But was in every point tempted just like we are, yet without sin. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. He knows where we are. And guess what? He'll meet you right where you are. Because the next thing that happened, Jesus goes walking out on the water. This contrary wind was hindering his disciples from doing what he told them to do. And so he goes walking on the water. Watch what happens. When it was almost morning, this is the fourth watch of the night. There were four watches. This is between three and six o'clock in the morning. The Bible says Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water and he started to pass by them. And when they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, don't yield to fear, have courage. It's really me. I am. 
That's the Aramaic and the, and the, the Hebrew translation. He said, I am. Now that's what God told Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Tell him I am that I am. Now watch, hang with me. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them and immediately the stormy wind became still. Come on, if you're in the boat with him, if he's in the boat with you. Now here's, here's something for you. I thought about this. Now these are fishermen. They're fishermen in that boat that have spent their life on the sea. And they're probably young guys. They may be in their 20s. I don't know. They're young guys. But they had worked with their father. And, 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 and so all of a sudden when we see them hanging out with Jesus, storms start happening. Because if you go back a couple of chapters in chapter 4, this is not the first storm. It's the second one in two chapters. The, the first one, Jesus said, got in the boat with them and said, let's go to the other side. And on the way over, Jesus falls asleep in the stern. And a storm comes up. And they have to go back and wake him up. Now, how could he sleep in the storm? i tell you why. Because the peace in him was greater than the storm going on outside. And that's the way he wants us to live. So that the peace, the interior peace in our lives become greater than whatever the enemy might throw at us or the world or whatever circumstance might come in our direction. He wants us to be uh, understanding that he's faithful. And, and uh, so it's important to know there's, there's two things. I want to talk about just for a moment. I want to talk about position and posture. The position is pros, face to face. That's an intimate relationship with the Father, face to face. So th that's the position. And let me tell you that I used to try to take my frantic anxiety into the now he'll he'll come and he'll he'll comfort you but he won't get frantic and anxious with you but I'm telling you when you get to the place where faith becomes solid and and you you trust God that no matter what happens it's going to be okay there won't be any room for panic and, and so the Bible says that Jesus got up and said, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. And the disciples marveled and he looked and said, how is it that you have no faith? Where's your faith? Now, in this instance, they had just witnessed the feeding of 5,000 plus thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. But they forgot about it because the storm became a distraction and it was a threat I've been there I know what that's like to be so distracted by stuff and things and circumstances so Jesus it's amazing they failed to learn the lesson of the miracles 
of the loaves and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. In one translation, the Passionate says their doubtful hearts. Now let me tell you, in the King James it says their hearts were hardened. That's this translation from the Passionate says their doubtful hearts could not uh, grasp the fact that he had all authority and power. As a matter of fact, it means they couldn't process new information. Now, I'm always praying, Lord, I know I'll never know everything about you, but help me to have a teachable spirit so that I'm always learning about you, so that I'm always walking in a place where my living is a blessing to you, that my life is a blessing now I believe he's fascinated with each one of you. Religion will never... What's the message of religion? Try harder. Try harder. What's the message of the kingdom? Quit trying so hard. I like that message. Because <laughs> the Bible says that... James says that... <clears throat> that we can't be saved by our works. But if you really get saved, there'll be works. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. But working is not the way to do it. So let's look a little bit further. Their doubtful hearts had not grasped his authority and power over all things in spite of just having witnessed the miraculous feeding. Now I want you to go over with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Look, look at verse 4. The position is pros, face to face. Some of you heard me talk about the, the, the fathers of the faith many, many years ago used a term called perichoresis. Perichoresis is... Two, it's two words, compound word, peri and choresis. Peri means circle, and choresis is chorus or dance, circle dance. So I want you to imagine the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in this perichoresis. So Jesus comes to invite us in. He comes, that's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we get to come into the circle and experience that position of being loved. Now, you understand, we can't really love anyone else until we know how deeply we are loved. I can't adequately express, be the expression of the love that he has commanded me to, to be unless I realize, first of all, who I am and who he created me for and, and I know how much I'm loved. Hang with me. How many believe this world needs a revival of compassion and love? Absolutely. So he says in Ephesians chapter 1, 
in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Come on, did you know he, he saw you before he ever created the universe and he loved you? Wow, he's God and he's love. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that he, we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus. Watch out, religion's going to really have a, 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 a nervous breakdown right here. Because it says, the same love he has for his beloved Jesus, he has for us. Let me say that again. If he's God and his love is perfect, do you believe that? His love is perfect. It means if it diminished one degree, it wouldn't be perfect. So that love was expressed toward his son when he was baptized in the river Jordan. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Paul says that he loves us with the same love he loved his son. Whoa, let me give you another verse. Is it all right? Yeah, get ready. John 17, the high priestly prayer. Talking about belonging, verse 10, for all who belong to me now belong to you, Father. All who belong to you belong to me as well, and my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Verse 10, now let's look down a little further. And I'll show you what else he prayed. Verse 22. For the very glory you've given to me, I've given them, so that they'll be joined together as one. As, and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you sent me for they will see that you love each one of them here it is again with the same passionate love that you have for me wow God in that revelation began to unravel a lot of religion that had me all bound up and I found such freedom and liberty that was amazing and he brought me to this place remember the position is pros but the posture is rest so he says I could take you over to John 15 as well because he says the same thing Jesus says the same thing so I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4 Faith is a restful place. It's a restful place. Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we've heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word instead what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. There's the spot. That's the posture. 
The position is pros. David said, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. One thing I've desired, Lord, that will I seek after, that I may live in the house of the Lord forever. Why? The proximity. Do you understand the proximity of that? Uh, the closer you get to him, the more life and the more uh, uh, rest that you come into. When you walk in faith, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two through 24, he said, have faith in God, have the faith of God. Uh, for whosoever shall say into this mountain, what generic mountain, whatever's hindering you, whatever's standing in your way, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say that that word therefore means he's about to tell you what those other verses are there for. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, prosukamai, uh, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Minnow is what that means. It means to stay in a given place. The posture is rest. Rest. Oh my goodness. He said, if my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Wow. So he says, they love me with the same love. Now let's go over to Another place. Let's go to Romans. I think I need to share this because it has to do with pros and rest. That word rest is so important. Verse 4, Romans 4, 4. This is rest right here. He said, when people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift. Why did the religious people stumble over this message? It's because they, had to, they believed they had to work for it. And that would rob them of their accolades and affirmation. Because the Pharisees loved to be in the marketplace and to be seen. They were, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they look good on the outside, but the inside, he said, you're full of dead men's bones. So when he says no one earns God's righteousness, can't earn it. You can't even grow in righteousness. You can grow in grace. You can grow in the word. You can grow in your walk with the Lord. You can't grow in righteousness. Because we're declared righteous. Jesus. With his, the righteousness of God. We become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So, he says, we're righteous in his eyes. He declares the righteous to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Whoa. 
So let me ask you, how much forgiveness is too much forgiveness? Whoa. I know people who carry unforgiveness toward themselves. It's debilitating. It really is. But I want you to know that God said, I'll not remember their iniquities anymore. I'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. Now, you understand there's a north pole and a south pole. He didn't say, I'll cast it north or south. He said east and west, because there's no east pole or west pole. It just keeps going and going and going. Wow, that's good stuff. I'll cast it that far away. Wow. So, when, when you read this, let's go over to Romans 8 now. I'm talking about, first of all, position. Pros. The word for presence is prosodon. It's, it's the word that means to be face to face again. The presence of the Lord. Peter preached in Acts 3.19. He said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, that word should be from the face of the Lord. Whoa. From that relationship. So he says, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who were joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law, the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us. You, you remember, you've probably read, for those who follow not after the flesh. That was added. It's not in the, most, the oldest and the most trusted manuscripts. That phrase is not in there. It was added by subscribers, and I don't think it should be there. So he says, For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Look down with me to verse 14. Timothy's doing a great job, man, keeping that word up there for us. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. See, I don't believe the Lord wants us to compartmentalize him so that he just becomes part of our list. I think he needs to have priority. First place. I wake up thinking about him. I go to sleep thinking about him. Talking to him. and Having this conversation with him during the day. And he says, he said, the spirit of religious duty, here it is now. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that. I have. Never being good enough. We live in a world that status is really portrayed through social media. It's portrayed through television, commercials, and movies, and, 
and we see this, this it, it's really twisted. It's not right. Because it'll, it'll, it'll make you into somebody, it'll make you think you should be somebody God never intended for you to be. Now, he says, but you've received the spirit of full acceptance. Now, there's a, there's a, if we understand that, we can come into pros, the position. And then we can, we can move into the posture of rest. Resting in the fact that, man, he, he's already done all the works. I just need to live in faith. Faith is not a tool in my tool belt. It's my address now. It's where I live, the just I live by faith. Hang with me. He said, you've received the spirit of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God. You will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying, beloved father, you are his beloved children. Wow, man. So, this faith rest life. Faith is a restful place. I was, <clears throat> I share it with you a story about the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Saturday, there was a, a girl that had uh, a birthday. We, we got those six people living downstairs and, and it, it's, it's okay because God's got a plan and all of that. And so one of the girls had a birthday and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to go down and I want you to give them each a gift. Well, I, I had that. I didn't tell my wife. And it was a, a $100 a piece. I just want you to tell you. And I felt such a relief of the Holy Spirit when I did it because Kyla, my granddaughter, told me the night before she didn't have any money to help celebrate the birthday. So she prayed and said, Lord, make a way. Come on, you understand. That's not all. I came to church Sunday morning. After church, a man walked up to me. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said me, for me to bring this to church. I didn't know who to give it to till now. He said, I'm supposed to give it to you. Guess what? He put it back with interest. <laughs> you can't give it away when you give it to him and you follow the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Is it about getting rich? No. No, we give because we love to give. We love to be like our Father. Uh, the, the results are up to Him, right? And it's important to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit because that's a place of rest. It's a place of rest. That, that posture of rest is so important for you and me. What does that mean? That means that I believe He's going to do what He said He would do. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed begging bread. Come on, somebody. I never had a, had a, a, a sparrow with a hobo sack on their shoulder knocking on my window to say, can you bear some, spare some seed? <laughs> no. He sees the sparrow and he opens his hand and meets the need of every living thing. 
Come on, you understand this Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Uh, he, there's no end. Uh, Psalm 145 said he opens his hand and meets the need of every living thing. I don't believe there's anybody in here. If you have a need, let me say this again. Uh, if, I was, uh, if my children had a need and I had all power and I had uh, the, the wealth of the world at my fingertips... Do you think I would withhold anything from my children to meet their need? Oh, but, but you understand, I do know somebody that has all power and, and, he, and he, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And if you're one of his children tonight, you understand some people just don't know it yet, but we're all created in his image. That means he's interested in where you are and he's interested in your need. And like the disciples in the middle of the lake, he sees you in your struggle and all you got to do is trust him because uh, when you enter into that place of rest you become you, you be, you're on the same frequency as the father that that's huge right there especially today so i want to really encourage you what does it mean to to belong we well, got to know what he thinks about you I know a lot of the guys have heard me talk about this and everybody at Bethel probably heard me, but I want to remind you. And I was thinking about Brother David and I thought about this verse and Hannah. 800 years before Jesus shows up, Isaiah prophesies and it's written in Isaiah 62, 4. He said, I'm no longer going to call you abandoned or forsaken you're not going to feel orphaned come on that's what Paul writes about you won't feel orphaned but I'm going to give you a new name Hephzibah it's a Hebrew word very powerful word it means my delight is in you well I lived most of my life thinking God was somewhat disappointed with me because I never felt like I measured up I never felt like I was good enough come on somebody that's what religion will teach you to try harder. But I found out the kingdom message is quit trying so hard and trust him. Enter into that place of rest. So, so all of a sudden, when you think about being Hephzibah, he, all, he didn't quit there. He said, oh, by the way, your land will no longer be unfruitful or barren. But I'm going to give it a name too. I'm going to call it Beulah because I'm married to your land. That, you know what that says to me? That said, he's, he's married to my journey. He's married to your journey. He's been there the whole time. He said, your land will be Beulah. It'll, it'll be fruitful and it'll be blessed because I'm walking with you through this. Through wherever you are, I'm there. Whoa. So I want to really encourage you tonight. The same love that the father loves his son is the same love extended to each one of us. No, that's, you know, I was taught for years and years that his unconditional love was conditional. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. His unconditional love was conditional. No, I don't believe that. 
anymore. Boy, that's liberating. Because it wouldn't be perfect love. Perfect love loves me, period. Four kinds of love. We talked about this. Eros. It's where we get erotic. It's a very carnal, fleshly, empty kind of love. It's not true love. It won't go the distance. And we know growing up, I grew up in the Beach Boy, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and, and the 60s, Jimi Hendrix, and all these other guys. And, and there's been millions of love songs that's been written. And one of them was a Beach Boy song. And, and I wanted to always ask my wife this when we were teenagers. Who loves you, pretty mama? <laughs> And, uh, okay, I'm going to say this because we family, right? Yeah, I used to say she's a brick house. <laughs> I tell people this also. I, I tell them, I said, you know, I've done a lot of weddings. And I always tell I said, you know, it's going to, the paper says you're married, but it's going to take a few years for you to really get married, right? So in this journey, in this walk with the Father, oh, he loves us, period. There's that word eros is not the kind of love he loves us with because that's a user kind of love. It uses us and uses. Then there's stargy. Stargy is family love. It's important, but I know for a fact it won't go the distance either. Because I know families that dads that haven't talked to their sons and their, their sons won't have anything to do with them. I, I know dear friends of mine, but Stargy won't go the distance either. But God's in the restoration business. I know that. He can put families back together. And, and he don't put it back the way it was most of the time. It's better than it was. So then there's another one, phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia. It's a friendship kind of love. City of brotherly love. Well, we know it won't go the distance either, right? It, it won't go the distance because I, I know friends that <clears throat> they're not friends anymore because of some really crazy kind of incident maybe and and uh, it's important the, the the most important kind of love is agape for God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever that's that's all of us believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life whoa man that's good stuff 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things, I mean, sorry, 1 John 3, 1. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper. That's 3 John 2, and be in health even as your soul prospers. 1 John 3, 1 says, behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he appears, we're going to see him and we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. As he is, so are we in this world. Whoa. That's good stuff. 
Can I build your faith just a little more? Exodus 15, 26. God said, it'll come to pass if you follow me and do my commandments. Now, that's been tough. What commandments is it? Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, my parting command is that you love one another. So Exodus 15, 26, he says, he said, I'll put none of the diseases of Egypt upon you for I'm the Lord that heals you. Isaiah 53 he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Wow. I'm talking about position and posture. Pros face to face. This relationship where you don't have to be afraid. Jesus, very first thing he said to his disciples when he stepped in, when they, when they were afraid of him. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. Whoa. That's, you, you don't have to fear when, he's, when you realize he's there. So I want you to stand with me. I believe that more than ever before, that there's a place of rest that the Father has reserved for us. There, that place of rest is a confidence. It's a confidence in what He provided so that we become, we realize we're, I want to, I want to completely embrace the fact of what He says about me. Here's what Paul said, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but it's not me living. It's Christ living in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That means I'm living by what he believes about me. And I, want, I need to tell somebody tonight, he's not disappointed in you and he won't kick you to the curb. Peter, I know you're going to deny, you, you mean well. But I know you. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. But I prayed for you, Peter. When you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus didn't beat him up for his failure, even after the resurrection. But he spoke to his future. I want to speak to your future. I believe your best days are ahead. I really do. If you find that position, there's a verse in Isaiah. I just am so overwhelmed by that. Can, can I share this one more verse with you? Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord. One scripture says wait patiently. And that word patiently is not what you think. It means to whirl and to dance. Why are you waiting? That's expectation, right? So he says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. What does it mean to mount up? It means to get close to God, face to face. Whoa. So I want to encourage you. You can. He's made a place where you can enter into a place of rest 
where you don't have to be anxious. You, you don't, I, I know whatever the report is, you're in rest because you're in pros. You're in that place of rest. Whatever the report is, whatever you're facing, you don't have to let that be the drama that, move, that, that manipulates your life. When we moved my granddaughter back from Georgia, and uh, I was, I was thinking. I said, "Lord, what are you doing? What do you want to do in this?" And he said, "Just wait on me. Just wait on me." I told Lily the girl who had just had to spend 10 days at Children's living with us now 14 years old came and we, that they had been through horrific abuse so she was suicidal and her sister found the suicide note on her phone so they took her to Children's and they kept her for 10 days this past week Lily's sitting at the table with us and calls her Nana. She, had, he hadn't call, she hadn't called me Big Daddy yet, but that's okay. I looked at Lily and we went and picked up a bed. This, this cousin of mine's given away, his mother just passed away and he's given away stuff in his house. And So I went and got a bed because Lily wanted the bed and the desk and the chest of drawers. And she's sitting at the table. She said, I never really, she's sleeping on the floor on a, on a piece of foam on a box spring for most of the past. And so she said, I never had a bed like that. I've slept on the floor most of my life. I said, honey, let me tell you something, Lily. There's going to be a whole lot of, I never experienced that before in this house because you were deeply loved and we're going to be the extension of the Father's heart. Come on. So what is His will for your life? His will for your life is that you prosper and you're in health as your soul is prospering. So I want to pray for you. Ben's helping me tonight.